the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Tonight in the first two segments, we're going to be talking about something I think many of us are faced with, and that is the inevitable crunch of emails. Uh, If you're lucky enough to only receive five to ten emails a day, consider yourself very lucky. Uh, but if you're receiving a lot more and you're trying to figure out what to do with them, we, we do have an expert uh, who's on with us tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, how to deal with decluttering your life. And uh, he has a book. His name is Gary Collins. And the book uh, is called A Simple Life Guide to Decluttering Your Life. Gary, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on, Dick. Gary, where are you calling from tonight? I am calling from my house off the grid in northeast Washington State. Oh, very good. Yeah, my son and family lives up in Seattle, so we go there often. So it's Yeah, I'm on the flip side. I'm on the other side towards the Idaho border in the mountains. Oh, so you're on the, the other side of the state. You're on the east side of the mountains. A uh, little, little yep. more arid out there, I think. But uh, Very much so. The weather's beautiful. Oh, well, the whole state is very, very nice. But um, tell us about yourself and... Uh, what makes you an expert in being able to help us declutter our, our lives, which are being overtaken by computers, I think? That's a great question. The, the short of it is I grew up a, a very poor kid rurally in the middle of nowhere, hunting, fishing, playing sports, simple living, right? Sounds and, fun, actually. Uh, <laughs> when you're a kid you think it stinks right you're all this is terrible i can't believe my parents put me on the middle of nowhere True. Um, but later in life you appreciate it and from there i put myself through college i have three degrees criminal justice a master's in forensics and another degree in exercise science i was in military intelligence and a federal agent criminal investigator for half my life by the time i'd left and it was more of the journey i felt that my life was unfulfilled at that point, mm-hmm. and there had to be a better way. You know, that typical looking out the office window, my boss yammering at me about something, and I just tuned out and gone, I've got to do something else. This is, this is not how I'm supposed to live my life. And I went on a journey. I sold my house, minimalized, got rid of most of my belongings, rented a small cottage that was under 500 square feet, eventually moved into my travel trailer, uh, RV, and then it bought 20 acres off the grid, uh, remote piece of land undeveloped, developed it myself, built my house, the infrastructure, you know, it's a normal house, and mm-hmm. wrote a book about that. I was in health and wellness. I owned my own company after I got out of the government. And it just what I teach is how I evolved into the life that I live today, and also that people understand I run a business. I still run a full-blown business since I left the government. So I've been able to do all this while living a very simple life. Well, that sounds like a lot on your plate uh, and to compartmentalize your life so that you can, on the one hand, do the business and deal with uh, what's going on with the economy and uh, dollars exchanging hands and costs and all of that, and on the other hand, enjoying uh, a a lifestyle that uh, is, is nice from what you're describing. How, Absolutely, yeah. G- getting to the issue of Internet, and I thought it was fascinating when we were contacted uh, by your representative about uh, doing an interview. The idea of Internet, uh, especially emails, where some of us get over 100 emails a day, uh, what, what is your take on, on that, and you know, what can we do to uh, to deal with it. For example, emails, when they come in, they each and every one seems so urgent. And if you don't immediately respond to it, and you're getting a lot of emails a day, it immediately gets buried under hundreds of more emails. What, what do you do? 
Well, and that that brings up a very good point of this today's society of instant connection, right? I can reach out to anyone and contact them immediately, which is very different than how I grew up. You know, there were no cell phones. There were no pagers. Heck, I we were poor. We had a party line, which meant wasn't one where people talked to whatever on a 1-800 number. Right. It meant there was like five or six of us on the same phone line in my neighborhood, <laughs> you know, because we were in a little place of 25 people in this little town. And today it's just what I do is I categorize and I put everything in a list so I wake up in the morning and I write my list of priorities what I have to get done and then I check email and I prioritize my email and what is the most important that I must answer immediately and not and you have to realize that not every email is important that needs its attention right now and there are some people who if you respond to them right away it turns into the slippery slope of all of a sudden it's back and forth for 15 minutes and I've also trained people that hey we can't have email exchanges like that. We need to get things done, move on to the next. And also is setting your spam filters up because today we're spammed with email immensely. I, I've had to, and unsubscribing, don't subscribe to every single thing you want a coupon and this and that. Next thing you know, you're getting 50, 60 emails of spam every day. And you have to go into the back end. There's a way to block spam. They've gotten very tricky. It's called blacklisting it. And every email program has it where you go and you enter that at and the domain.com and it will block all those emails from that website. It stinks we have to do that, but we do. And then, like I said, I categorized all, I'll hit my emails that are urgent. And, you know, obviously if it's personal or business, but if it's personal, who, you know, no one's going to email me something that's an emergency. They shouldn't be. That's personal. They have my phone number. Call me. Um, and then I'll move through and I'll start my day and I'll set out that I'll get to the other emails later in the day when I have all my essential tasks that I've listed out that must be done that day. Then I'll go back and I'll answer those emails. That's how I do it. And that's what I recommend other people doing. Now, if you don't own a business and you're just a normal everyday person and you're receiving, you know, 50, 60, 100 emails a day. You need to go read through and start unsubscribing and start figuring out which ones that you want, you know, products or, you know, blogs, whatever you read. You got to you have to narrow it down to what's important. How effective is it to unsubscribe from from an email? Like when you get something from a a company that keeps sending you information about dog food or something uh, and you're tired of it. So you go to the end of the email, you find the link to unsubscribe and it says after you click it that you've unsubscribed and then the next day you still get the same emails and that's why i talked about blacklisting it i've had emails like that for some reason these political organizations seem to get your email i've unsubscribed there's been a couple that i've called and said if you email me again i'm going to report you we're going to have some issues and they go oh i don't know what's our system and what they've done is they're violating the laws once you unsubscribe, they cannot contact, keep contacting you again and again and again. That is actually a violation. Once you unsubscribe, that's it. Unfortunately, sometimes you have to go, and I've had to do this, is I have to go and blacklist them. So I have to blacklist everything from that domain. The thing is, they're so nasty today, they'll just send them from another domain. And that's when I'll call. If I can find a phone number for them, I'll call them and just read them the riot act. And I was a former federal agent, so I kind of tell them, hey, I don't think I'm stupid. I know what you're doing. I own a business. I know exactly what you're doing. It's unfortunate, mm -hmm. but. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what can you do, uh, or how do you get onto the blacklist uh, website? Well, it depends. It depends <laughs> on your email provider. So it's usually done primarily through the web mail version of your email. So all emails internet service providers, whatever you're using to get your email, will have a way to get to your, your email via the web. If within there, there'll be a settings and a preferences, you go in there and it's called whitelist and blacklist. Whitelisting is when you don't want a certain individual or company's emails to go to spam. I instruct my followers, you know, cause the spam filters are pretty tight. I, you know, so I tell them you need to whitelist 
the email address that I send you my newsletter from. That way it won't get caught in your spam folder. Well, the reverse of a blacklist, which is in the same section, is you put, like I said, either the specific email address, so if it's at info at stopbotheringme.com, you put that one in there, or some will allow you to put the at, then the domain, so don't bother me anymore.com. You put that in there and it'll block all emails from that domain coming to you with that domain address. Interesting. Well, we have to. That, that takes a lot because uh, I get uh, tons of emails from the Democratic parties of the state and federal, and also from the Republican parties, state and federal and local. So you end up getting double the uh, the emails that any one person would get. And uh, I, I, is there a way to? Well, I tell you what, we're, we're going to have to take a break now because uh, this is very interesting. We're, we're talking to Gary Collins, former federal agent and uh, a business person, and into. Uh, decluttering your lives and we're talking tonight about decluttering your life with massive amounts of email that uh, endlessly streams into your computer we're going to take a short break you're listening to nick phillips here on the advocate on whk we'll be back after this short break don't go away Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I. 
at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 shades of green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of the Advertisement. Tonight we're talking about decluttering our lives and uh, focusing our attention on computers and especially uh, internet mail that comes in emails and trying to figure out how to lead a sane life uh, at the same time staying connected the way we're expected to be with everybody in the civilized world, apparently. Uh, Gary, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Nick. Um, when we talked earlier about your book that you have, Decluttering Your Lives, uh, yeah, there's, beside email, there's uh, news. Where, where do most people get their news? Is we, or their news? We uh, have seen where newspapers have uh, gone out of business or seriously reduced uh, what they do, and everybody goes to the Internet to find out what's going on. Uh, how is that working out? Is it reliable? Well, we know what the... The fake news, uh, as they like to call it, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it is actually proliferated on the on social media. And I also have a discussion. I have a chapter about social media as well. I don't use social media for my business really, and people are pretty shocked by that. There's many reasons why, and one of them is the noise and clutter on social media, and it gets you off track of what you should be doing, which is focusing on your life and bettering your life and getting your things done. And that's what happens with these news cycles. If they found that if they use sensationalized headlines, and a lot of a lot of it's not accurate and true anymore, because the true investigative reporter is done. I talk about that. It doesn't. They don't exist hardly anymore at all. If you can find them, so you have to be very careful. I tell people: do not use social media and the internet as your your main place to get the news. Now, obviously, you're going to get some of it off of there. But I also say you should only be, you only need to get about 10 minutes a day of that. You know, I I worked in the government. I was a news junkie. You know, I was always paying attention. I had to deprogram myself of that too because most news today is so negative. And there's a lot of political tribalism, which I have a chapter on that as well. You know, pitting us against each other. You know, next thing you know, you're in the comments section. You're yelling at someone you don't even know, calling them all kinds of names. They're calling you names, and you've wasted a half hour, hour doing absolutely nothing. So I recommend people really, really get their news in short, short pieces. I still do it multiple ways. I'll get very little off the Internet, but I still watch it on uh, established news programs on television a little bit. Uh, I read. I read a lot. I've always been a voracious reader. So, you know, newspapers are still great to me, but I'm a little older, right? We're older, so we still know what newspapers are. Hmm. But I would Luckily. recommend staying away, getting the majority off the social off social media and the Internet. Well, it's so ubiquitous. It's uh, all over. Uh, what other modern things are cluttering our lives that, that we can declutter? Because you mentioned right at the beginning that a way to do it is to come up with lists and of what you need to get done. 
what? How do we lead a happy life uh, with with all of these options and all of the fake news floating around? Well, one of the best ways is limiting your exposure to technological devices. And I'm not anti-technology. I run my whole business remotely, but people would be shocked that I run my business off a iPhone 6, which is several years old. My laptop, my laptop is not, it's, I have a good laptop and a Wi-Fi, a remote Wi-Fi spot. That's it. I do not own a uh, health tracker, a, you know, smartwatch, uh, even key, uh, Kindle readers or e-readers, a tablet. I don't know I don't need it. It doesn't, I, do, I can't justify it. Not only that, but the technology changes so rapidly, not so rapidly anymore, but new devices because they want you to buy a new device. Well, the more devices you have, the more of that noise and the more of that non-essential information you're going to be exposed to. Uh, you know, advertise, ad, ads are on everything now. I mean, you can't avoid If you're on the Internet, you're going to get ads, and you're going to get a lot of them. So I would tell people, decipher what you need technological-wise to run your life. Do you need a desktop and a laptop and a notepad? Probably not, you know. You don't need all three of those. You probably only need one. And only update it when significant technological advances have happened. Don't get in the habit of upgrading every time a new version comes out. That's part of consumerism, our consumer nation, to get you to buy something that you don't need. And not only that, but again, you have to learn it. Once you buy it, you have to relearn everything, wasting more time. So that's the advice I give. Just watch your technological devices. Well, for us people, a lot of years, I remember the routine was quite different and at a slower pace in, say, even a law office where uh, our day would kick off beside looking at what we have to do left over from the day before. We'd have the morning mail that would come in at around 10 or 11 o'clock. And uh, that that took the place of email because we just had one chunk of mail and we knew what we had to work on and we addressed it at that point. We weren't interrupted throughout the day with uh, more and more mail coming in all the time. But uh, over the years since email has popped into it and uh, it started with the fax machines. We started getting faxes um, at, at all times. It, that the term uh, multitasking came into fashion, and the idea was that uh, you know, we're great because we can multitask, meaning you're doing more than one thing at one time. And it was thought that we could really get things done more quickly and uh, more efficiently. But um, I, w what do you think about that? Because I, I saw a note here where you're indicating that you're not necessarily going to do things more quickly by multitasking. What, what do you mean by that? Well, a lot of studies have shown, and I've always taught this too, when I left the federal government, I was constantly having to multitask, and I felt like I was never getting anything done. And the research has now caught up and said that, that it, you're basically playing triage, and you tend to focus on non-essential tasks, checking email responding to you know non-critical text you're just jumping back and forth never really finishing anything and what happens with the human brain is we get these dopamine dumps with multitasking because our brain thinks we did finish the task even though we didn't so there's a euphoria when you finish something you accomplish something that is a natural reaction right we feel good about ourselves we got this done well multitasking it's these short little bursts i compare it to if you're eating uh, eating a healthy diet, eating slowly throughout the day, one one to two meals, you know, as opposed to eating candy all day, you know, one way is a long-term sustainability. The other portion is short-term. That's going to burn you out and eventually kill you sooner. Multitasking is, and we're not wired that way. Humans are wired to focus on one thing at a time. We are hunter-gatherers. We have our our our, our physiology and the way our brains work have not changed. What's changed is our environment and what we put into our body. That's what's changed. So with that, I tell people focus on one thing at a time. That's why I always say put your list together, essential list. Go through those one at a time, stuff comes up. You're going to have to jump here and there, that's life. But don't do that as a habit. Don't make that, that that's how you get things done is completely jumping all over the place all the time you'll be less productive and you'll burn yourself out. 
I, I could see that. I, I love analogies and an analogy I use for uh, what you describe, and that is multitasking, uh, excessively multitasking. I, I relate that to uh, going to an arcade. If you've seen on these boardwalks in some cities, they have the arcade games and so on. One of the arcade games is a, uh, is a, a device where there are a bunch of quarters uh, that are are laid out on a on a slab of metal and there's a rod that just sort of rotates or slides forward and back a little bit and the the game is you're supposed to drop a quarter onto it and there might be a large chunk of quarter that drop off and you throw a quarter drop a quarter in and it moves it a little bit but <clears throat> you can do that for a long time and, and just see very little movement before you actually accomplish anything and when you mentioned dopamine, dopamine fixes uh, based upon accomplishing something, yeah, sometimes I could see multitasking that you're really not accomplishing anything. No, but you're tricked. Your brain's tricked into thinking it is. That's where it becomes. It's almost like an addiction because dopamine's that short-term hormone of feeling mm -hmm. good quickly. Serotonin's the long-term. You know, it's a slow, slow uh, release. And we, we just have to recognize that. And it took me a while. I'm sure you as well. I mean, by the time I left federal law enforcement, I had to retrain myself to get things done because I just was so inefficient. I thought I was efficient, but I was not. And I had to learn owning my own business that if I continued to operate the way I did in the federal government, I wasn't going to make it. I, I was hear not you. going to succeed that way. I hear you. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, we've been talking to Gary Collins, and he's the author of a book, The Simple Life Guide to Decluttering Your Life. I think that's something we all should look forward to. So, Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Nick. My, my pleasure. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, in the next two segments, we're going to be addressing parenting and, and how a parent should uh, do what they can for their children to be good parents. And in, in being good parents, um, how they should... Uh, not overdo it. And, and to talk to us about that today, we have Mr. Adam Russo. Uh, Adam, thank you for joining us. 
No, thanks for having me. Uh, tell us, where are you calling from tonight? Uh, Naperville, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Well, we're going to know where Naperville is. I remember years ago when it was very farm-like out there on the Great Plains. Uh, yeah, not uh, anymore. <laughs> uh, 75th Street, I think, goes out there, doesn't it? From yeah, It does, it does. Yeah. Well, we're familiar with uh, Downers Grove, which is back, I guess, to the east. But in yeah. any event, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, the, the parents who are so into their children, which parents should, should be, uh, that they were bribing higher institutions to get their kids, who otherwise probably would not have been admitted, getting them admitted. Uh, so now I understand you're a licensed uh, social worker. Uh, yes, I am, and I've worked with uh, kids and families now for uh, you know upwards of 20 years, and um, and I currently uh, fa- I founded uh, my own practice, uh, Edgewood Clinical Services, which is a multi-specialty uh, outpatient behavioral health uh, facility uh, in the western suburbs here. So we have four locations currently, and uh, and we work with many uh, kids and parents uh, just for a, a whole bunch of different issues. Well, well, that is great. I know in our law practice here in Ohio, when, when we talk about counselors and so on, uh, I think straight up stigma uh, in, in dealing with a counselor. And uh, we try to dispel that by explaining to them that with their life experience, that they're going forward with inexperience, we can send them to somebody who has experience. They've studied it. They've seen cases play out over and over again. And think of them as a coach in life. And uh, that, that seems to get them in. Yeah, and that's how we look at it too. I mean, the reality is, um, you know, we we try to part of our uh, our platforms are to mainstream mental health, which is why we speak. Uh, I speak. Um, dozens of times every year to parent groups, uh, school faculties, even kids, uh, trying to normalize some different mental health issues that are going on um, so that people feel more uh, open to talking about the struggles that they might be having rather than holding it in uh, until it explodes in some way, shape, or form. Well, I I know that uh, it's been at least talked about over the last couple of decades, the question about uh, keeping your children uh, not only out of harm's way, but keep them from having any emotional bumps on the road and protecting them in an overly zealous way that these kids can grow up without ever expressing or experiencing heartbreak or some kind of disappointment. Uh, is that something that you see a lot of? Has that been developing over the years? A lot, actually. I mean, it seems like um, it all started, um, you know, I, I would say about 10, 15 years ago or so, where you had this, it started out with this movement uh, with positive reinforcement, right? It was kind of this idea that if kids uh, if ki- kids couldn't do well academically, if they weren't feeling good about themselves, uh, you know, kids couldn't perform well in, I don't know, various activities if they weren't feeling good about themselves. And so what happened is that everyone kind of took this, positive reinforcement, uh, and I say everyone, meaning parents, our culture, um, and then just turned it into this it positive, you know, it, it means now that kids can never feel negative. That's that's what happened. It became a very kind of zero-sum black and white. If you're, if, if you're, if a kid is going to feel positively about themselves, then they can't feel negatively. And so what happened is, that's how it turned into the everybody gets a trophy routine. Um, you know, you can't have kids who are feeling, you know, being, you know, uh, given honest feedback. Everything's got to be, you know, made uh, well for them. You have kids retaking tests in school multiple times. Everything is about making sure kids are successful. And uh, and because of that, it's, we've, we're raising a generation of uh, not very mentally resilient kids. Well, you know, as you mentioned, uh the, the idea of, uh, I'm thinking of Little League Baseball, where they used to have all-stars and used to have uh, drafts and everything, and they had basically, it was quite competitive, and uh, now everyone seems to get a participation award, yep. and uh, everybody is okay, I'm okay, you're okay, you know, the old this thing. Uh, the, uh, the idea of these kids going through these years now, ha- have you seen any that kind of treatment where you know, 10, 15 years ago, these kids are now in their 20s and 30s. 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I see it. I, I see it especially with um, the college age population that we have, where um, you, know, you have kids who, you know, are, are struggling in college. Maybe it's academically uh, or socially, or you know, maybe they're fine in those respects, but then don't know what necessarily what they want to do in their future. And what's interesting is that they're looking for the perfect decision, and you know, they're they're looking for the be- you know, for the for the perfect thing to do next in their life. And you know, and you know, when they were younger, they had adults telling them how to be perfect. Um, you know, because culturally, as much as we value kids being positive or feeling positively about themselves, what we also do is really make sure that their decisions are accurate. We don't give them room to fail. We don't give them room to learn through trial and error and mistakes. We, we're very big culturally on making a decision and having it be very precise and um, and they and it better be as precise as possible. And so what happens is kids are growing up in this way. Then they get into adulthood and they realize they can't guarantee precision with adult decisions. And they, and that's generating a, a lot more anxiety for them because now they're like, well, what if I'm wrong? And then now they can't handle being wrong on top of the fact that they're trying to even make this perfect decision. And so we're seeing this compounded effect um, uh, in, in playing out uh, more often than you'd think. I've seen that even in adulthood uh, as an attorney, uh, mentoring younger attorneys, and uh, we give them all of the sage advice, and they end up uh, developing in a very, very careful uh, way in in such that they've never been yelled at by a judge. And uh, I I told them, I said, you've never been yelled at by a judge. You you need to really experience that. When when I um, sometimes talk to, to groups of lawyers, I explain... Uh, I'm very wise, and I define wisdom as being the result of age and wisdom being the result of experience, and the experiences you remember best are the bad ones you've had. So then you're pretty wise if you've learned from those uh, those things. But uh, yeah, protecting kids too much uh, is, uh, is is really something so that when they have their their first letdown, uh, when, when they have that, let down? Do they over exaggerate it uh, in its significance? The older they get, and uh, their their world is collapsing because they they didn't get into the college they wanted, or they they didn't get that job they wanted. How do they react? Well, and they, well, they react based upon kind of the you know the the stories that they're being fed. I mean, you know, culturally, we say that your career is only going to be as good as the college you attend. And, and, you know, research says that, that, you know, it couldn't, that couldn't be farther from the truth. But yet that's culturally the message that we give to kids. And parents get on board with that, too. School systems do. Uh, we put all this value on uh, the, the objective measures, test scores, GPA, college attended. And we say this is, this is the determining factor for your future. But the reality is that there are traits that um, are way more predictive uh, and correlate uh, and correlate much stronger to future success than those things do. And we don't put weight on those things. And so um, a lot of what I try to talk about, and I work a lot with school districts and families about, and kids too, is trying to help them see that it that all the things that they that uh, all the all the social weight that they uh, continue to hear about um, is just not important. Um, it's not that grades aren't important. I mean, obviously grades matter and things like that, but they are not going to be the determining factor for your future. Um, it, it's just one snapshot of, of an individual's strengths and weaknesses. And the reality is that there's way more intangible strengths that are predictive of future success uh, beyond grades. And and that's what I try to do with when, when, I, when people are being overwhelmed by, I didn't get into that school, I didn't get this job, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me? Really trying to help them reset and say like really I mean you really think you're the only person this has ever happened to you know um, you know and, and you know and using the cliched story of Michael Jordan getting cut from his freshman basketball team I mean every everybody's along the way has had a hardship and and while people only see success um, we're not valuing that level of success when it comes to our kids I've, I've seen a lot in business where uh, people have run very very successful businesses but uh, most people don't know about the 10 to 20 businesses they tried that didn't work out. Exactly. And, and really hear about the successes and, and uh, how well they're doing now. And I, I just don't think they're getting that experience. We're, we're going to be taking a short break here in, in a bit. But you know, we're, we're talking to social worker Adam Russo, talking about families and helico- helicoptering parents and being too protective with your children. 
and what is that doing uh, to their to their adulthood? And uh, uh, Adam's been around long enough to actually see some of these things play out. We're going to be back with Adam and uh, get back and address these issues. So you're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of the app. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind. Ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Welcome back. Cleveland Nick Phillips with you with our final edition, our final edition, our final segment of The Advocate tonight. And we're talking about tonight we have Adam Russo, uh, who is a licensed social worker in the Chicago area and um, also an author. We see he has written a book, called Unwritten Rules, Real Strategies to Parent Your Child into a Successful Adult. Adam, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, tell us about the book a little bit. Uh, does it work? <laughs> so. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, it's funny. So uh, I wrote the book. I actually, um, I spoke, um, well, about a few years ago, I was asked to speak at a junior high school um, for parents, and the, and the school district asked me to speak to parents about how they can help manage uh, the, the anxiety in, in their kids, uh, you know, these junior high age kids. And so I, I didn't want to speak for an hour and a half about how people should just, you know, walk around the block and count to 10 to manage their anxiety. And I, and I really kind of came to the crux of a lot of kids here are anxious because they just, they want to be perfect. They don't want to fail. And so, um, so I gave that talk a few times, and then I wound up, uh, that talk evolved, and I wound up speaking at TEDx Naperville in 2016 about it. And I speak dozens of times every year to, uh, to parent groups and, uh, and school districts and, and kids. And, um, and, everyone, and every time I was speaking, people said, Gee, have you written a book? I, I'd love to get your book. And so I, I finally said I should probably write a book. <laughs> and, oh, uh, and, so, um, and so what I did was that most parenting books, though, are heavy on, heavy on research, heavy on anecdotes. I mean, they're almost like dissertations turned into books. And, I, and, I, and I've, I've never, I always felt that they, they were hard to read as a parent. Um, you know, I thought parents just want something that's usable, uh, that, that's really user-friendly, uh, easy to read, enjoyable to read. Uh, and so what I did is I wrote a book um, that, that, to me, from my clinical experience, um, you know, took on about, you know, seven to ten, you know, situations that I've, common themes that I've heard over the years. And I basically did a chapter on different themes. One uh, a chapter, each chapter has a short story um, that's written about a kid and parents and just a, a dynamic that 
that's occurring, uh, you know, that's going on with the kids or the parents, and and it has a story to it. And then after the story is a lesson. What 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 good or bad didn't did or didn't happen in that story, and why is it meaningful? Uh, with the premise being that I think as parents we raise our kids to be adaptive and independent adults. And so when I tell these stories. It's really about how how do we put value in each of these day-to-day events that we probably don't think twice about as parents, but they're actually really meaningful and and impactful to how are we raising our kids and with what skills are we raising them with. And I want to make it a a normal um, kind of experience for for parents that they can take and read and say, aha, this is why doing this is important, Um, and and really be able to latch onto it in a a way that was positive. Well... You know, although it sounds wonderful, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, uh, being a parent nowadays, raising children up through adolescence and uh, into adulthood, I think is facing more challenges than ever. And I just wrote down the word environment. Um, you mentioned earlier about how uh, kids, as they grow up, they're they're looking for that perfect career, that perfect, uh, everything perfect. Yet, as we uh, we work with uh, fact-finding as people are listening to the news they they don't really know what's the truth I don't think um, for example I can listen to MSNBC for an hour then turn on Fox for an hour and you would think that we're listening to news from two different planets mm-hmm. uh, and and how does one figure out what's true and then overlay that with um, your your individual personalized presence in social media and when people say things about you, are they true or not? Um, how does how does a parent face the fact that uh, everything is going to be an evaluation for a young person, and also, no matter how you decide things, you're going to be responsible for your own future and your own consequences? Well, and that's why um, th- that that's exactly why uh, I wrote the book because um, the idea is as a parent, um, you're right. That there's a lot of pressure uh, on parents now. I mean, especially with social media and technology. Um, and part of it was why you know I wrote a chapter just on you know uh, parents struggling to manage uh, their teenagers' use of social media. But at the same time, I also highlighted how parents struggle to <laughs> manage their own use of social media. So so there's a there's oftentimes a parallel process at play in that. And I think as parents, we have to be aware of our own struggles, um, not to mention, uh, you know, and, and, well, and get those under wraps before we're then able to manage what's going on with our kids. And, um, you know, and, and as parents, again, it's really about if we know if the goal is to, you know, one of the distinguishing points I wanted to make in my book was, you know, what is our goal as a parent? Because I think, um, because to me, there's really two tracks that I see parents work from. There's the goal of raising kids to be adaptive and independent adults on one hand, and there's the, and then many parents will also say, I want to raise my child so that they can look as, uh, as great as they can on paper when they graduate high school. And those are two completely different goals. If you're going to raise a kid to be an adaptive and independent adult, the odds are they're going to take some hits on paper. Um, they might have a rough semester where they're trying to figure things out um, or, or a rough um, you know, time in athletics or whatever the case might be. Uh, and so, But they're going to learn the skills that are going to help them succeed into adulthood versus parents who are raising their kids to look as best as they can on paper. What that's going to mean is that um, they're – they're not. The parents are going to do everything they can to make sure that the kids that kids look good uh, when it comes to just numbers and scores and things. And they're not going to give the kids the opportunity to learn the skills that will help them be successful into adulthood. And so, what I'm really trying to highlight is when you when those when those kids, the kids who are being raised without learning the skills, what do they look like into adulthood? Because I conclude the book with two chapters uh, about adults one chapter with an adult who learns, quote-unquote, the skills, and one who doesn't, and really trying to highlight the subtle yet really glaring differences that happen with people uh, when, they, when they're able to pick up these skills. You know, cheating your way into Harvard uh, by having an aggressive parent who's being a, a strong advocate and pumping lots of money uh, into a bribe to get you in, uh, that's been in the news lately. And beside being unfair for those who are working hard and actually have demonstrated the academic skills to justify their admission. Um, Have you heard anything about how these people who got in uh, under the wire through the efforts of their parents, how do they do in these schools? 
You know, that's something I've been looking for. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it, you know, it's to me it's kind of interesting because if they're doing well in the schools, then you have to really question the whole college admissions process as a whole, <laughs> right, in the first place. Why do we have all these systems? So I, I, haven't, I haven't heard exactly how well they're all doing. Um, but I think it goes to the larger point of, that, you know, does it really matter? Um, you know, does it really matter, you know, the schools that people go to and, and how well they do academically while they're there? Um, because because there's a lot of kids who can do well academically in, in many schools, but there's also a lot of co- you know companies or inv- or you know any other kind of business environment, whatever it might be, um, whether it's blue collar or white collar, that would say they don't want that person working there because of a whole because of intangible skills um, that that just aren't um, a good fit for for an organization. And so it's we put a lot of value on the uh, on on the schools and where they go and even what people's grades are while they're there, but um, but they're just not predictable to future success. How does a parent uh, find a balance to be supportive, to be an advocate, to be a parent, and to introduce the, uh, the, the growing adult uh, in, into uh, disappointment and how to deal with that and let them know that disappointment is part of everything? Well, and I think as parents, I think it's first. It starts with I think parents coming to terms with the fact that adulthood is full of disappointments. I haven't met one adult who has lived a completely worry-free, stress-free, blissful life. Um, and so, and as I think most adults would, I haven't heard one adult who would disagree with that. Um, everyone's got struggles, and so the first part as a parent is to come to terms with the fact that that, that kids will live a life of struggle. And we don't know what that struggle will look like. Um, we hope that it's a minimal amount of struggle, but there will be struggle. And so we want to be able to then, once we can accept that, we can now start saying to ourselves, all right, so if, um, if, if my kid, once they graduate high school, is going to go into the world, how do I need to prepare them for life that's going to be full of you know stress or anxiety or disappointment? And how do we start teaching that to them? And so when, obviously when kids are young, it's a little bit, you know, parents are much more directive. I mean, you have to, you know, really be more deliberate in planning things and, you know, helping them and things like that. But then as they get older, parents really need to start to drift into a place of coaching. Uh, so if a child comes home, maybe in their, you know, fourth, fifth grade, and they're having pro- social problems at school, the first reaction that a parent should have is not to call the teacher or call the principal. The first reaction a parent should have is to talk to their, their child about it and then try to figure out and give some suggestions to what can they do tomorrow to help address this and let their kid go to school, let them try. It might be a train wreck. They might come home crying and even more upset, but we've got to let them figure it out. And and the opportunity to figure those things out are at younger ages and and not when they're 17 years old. Um, I was giving a presentation to high school faculty recently um, and I asked them, you know, if a kid doesn't do well on a test, who do you typically hear from first, the kid or the parent? And virtually all of them said the parent. And I said, you know, so at what point can you say, you know, to parents, like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to your, chi- your your child first. They're my first point of contact. And uh, and teachers, you know, and there's, you know, there's systemic things with that as far as the different school systems and how they work. Of, the of course. Well, but, we're, we're, out of, we're out of time for Adam Russo, but Adam, oh, okay. thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to have you yeah. back again. So and thank you for joining us, and thank you listeners for joining us. We'll be back next Sunday, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 